think that's it from the commercials. I think that's it. If you want to open your Bible, we're going to start in Proverbs 4, but we're also going to go to John 8. So Proverbs 4 and John 8. Amen. Y'all ready? The Lord's going to do something really awesome in the next few minutes. I just want you to know that. There's going to be revelation, and there's going to be breakthrough and healing. Lord, we love you, and I thank you. I love your word. I love that it's another, another way for us to grow. It's right here. It's very simple. We read it, and we grow. And I love your word, and I love to study your word. And I love, um, I love how, you, how you sneak up on us, Lord, and how you order our steps, and, and then you start doing something we didn't even see coming. And then it's done. You're like, whoa, that was quick. I thank you how you do that, God. I love it. And so today, I just pray that you will continue this process that you're taking us all through, that you'll continue to, to do this and continue to bring breakthrough into our lives and healing into the deepest places of our hearts, God. Father, I pray that today that you would anoint me, that you would strengthen me to speak your word. I ask that you would uh, help me to say the things I need to say and, and with the conviction I need to say them, God. And I pray, Lord, that you anoint our ears to hear the words that you speak to us, that they would be spirit and life today, uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go to Proverbs 4, and we'll read that in just a second. But there's a quote. Actually, I want to start here. This is what I wrote during worship. I was like, God, this, when, when Kyle said, sing, sing your own words, these are the words that started coming out of my mouth. You're like a thief, God. I didn't even see you coming. Because he's been doing something in me, and I, I can't even fully talk about it yet because it's not done. But he's been doing something in me over the last few weeks and months, um, deep inner healing, that I didn't even see coming. I didn't even know that I needed it. How many have ever been there before? You're like, all of a sudden, God's doing something, and you're like, whoa, when did you start doing this? He's been doing it all along. But all of a sudden, like, the pieces fall into place, and your heart and your soul begins to respond. And um, there were some things that came up in my family, and, and my response to those things that came up revealed something in me that I didn't even know was there. It revealed a fear that I had. It, it, it revere, revealed a deficiency that I had towards the Father that I didn't even know was there. I thought, man, I'm all good with God. I'm all good with the Father. And then this thing came up, and I got scared, and I didn't know it. And it came from something that had zero to do with me. But my reaction to it revealed what I believed inside my heart about God, about my own father. And I began to go through this thing. God began to wash me and cleanse me. And then, of course, God always ordains our steps. What does he do? I get a call from Randy Hill, and then they invite me to come to their staff meetings on Tuesday. So I get to go into their staff meeting and be a part of what's going on and just get to fellowship and be around him. And so I went, to, I went to it a few weeks ago, and he brings me into his office afterwards, and he just asked me a question, how are you doing? And I didn't know that I wasn't doing great. And I said, well, I'm doing all right. He's like, you seem like you're worried. You seem like you're worried, son. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about something. So I start telling him, and boom, all this. And what happens? An hour and a half later, I'm a ball of tears on the floor, and the Lord's healing things inside of me that I didn't even know I went there for. I didn't even know. And he has continued this. Uh, just to make the long story short, 
the things on the Liberation Project with William Young, with William P. Young, the author of The Shack. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to listen to it. If you're getting, if you, it's for men. It's to bring freedom to men. And as I was listening to that man talk and hear his testimony, the Lord began to heal even deeper. And then there's been other podcasts since that. The Lord's been healing and doing these things. And last week when we were singing that song, uh, you are good, you're good, oh, and then you're never going to let me down. When we started singing in service last week, when I said the first line of you're never going to let me down, I started bawling. And I didn't even realize it. I started weeping. And I, did, I realized that there was this lie that I had believed somewhere that I was going to be let down in life. I wasn't going to see everything that I thought I would see or experience it or that somehow God wasn't going to do what he said or, or my family name wasn't going to mean everything that I thought it would mean. Just those things that men go through, things you feel in your heart. And when I said that, you're never going to let me down, it broke. And I know you all were here. Those of you were here, remember the end of worship. I came up and I asked you to do, uh, ask, ask the Father to show you his face. Now ask him what he thinks about you. And in that whole process of what was going on, I just felt like God was cleansing my soul. We don't spend a lot of time on this, and we will in the future. But we kind of leave our soul to the side, and we think, well, our soul's going to live forever. It's going to go to heaven. We said yes to the Lord. It's all okay. But here's the, here's the deal. Our soul carries around every wound that we don't let Jesus heal. It carries it with us. And you know what's, what's funny is because we're not used to paying attention to our soul. We're really used to paying attention to our body. If our body hurts, we, whoa, my body hurts. I need to do something different. I have a headache. I need to you know, figure out what's causing the headache or do something different. My stomach's bothering me. I need to change my diet. Our body speaks to us. We're used to that, right? Am I telling the truth? Then our spirit man speaks to us. God tells us, oh, I love you, I'm proud of you. Or, hey, I'm proud of what you did here, but maybe we can do better there. Our spirit speaks to us all the time, and so we're kind of used to our spirit and our body, and then our soul just gets left in the dust. And our soul is like the the filter. (laughs) It's like the air filter on our car. It catches everything that comes through. And if we don't let Jesus come and heal our soul, then we're dragging along with us this dead man and this dead stuff with us all through life. And it's the wounds that take, that take deep into our soul. And I feel like the Lord wants to heal our souls. I feel like that's a season we're in now. He's not going to forget our bodies and our spirit, but they all go together. And uh, I know th- this last week I've, I felt really bad, and I don't even really know what it is. Some of it's kind of sinus, and the rest I just don't feel like eating. I have, I've been dizzy, I've been weak, and I just haven't felt like eating literally uh, since uh, Monday afternoon. just felt horrible. And I don't know why. I get up and I work and I'm fine. And then three hours later, I'm like, I'm done. I can't do anything. I'm sweating like a pig. I'm dizzy. And I was telling Matilda and I told Mandy that I feel like this is my body is like releasing toxins. I feel like I really feel that. I feel like my body is releasing things like my soul has been. Like my body, my spirit, my soul, my body are sinking up. And I I don't want to be sick, but I feel like it is... I've lost a lot of weight. I've I've just I was trying to, but this isn't the way I planned on it. <laughs> but I feel like my soul is just it's being released and cleansed, and I feel like my body is being cleansed. I feel like he's taking these things out. Now here's the goal from here on out. What do I put back in my body? What what do I do back with my soul and my spirit from this point forward? How do I 
protect myself from being wounded. See, we, 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 make, we create these walls and these, these defense things instead of just letting Jesus come in and, and heal us and have a conversation with us. And so I was singing that, Lord, you're sneaky. You sneak in. You're like a thief. You come in. I didn't even see you coming. I didn't see him coming when he asked me to, to, to follow him. I didn't even see him. He just showed up. And this man that was so beautiful and wonderful shows up and says, Jared, will you follow me? And I said, yes. I didn't know where he came from. And I said yes to him. And then he came and he stole my heart. How many feel like the Lord stole your heart? I like that song we sing t- sometimes that I was a thief. You said I stole your heart. I feel like God stole my heart. I didn't see him. I, how did you do this, God? How did you come in and cause me to love you like this? Like I didn't ask. I didn't deserve this. I wasn't lovable. Nothing about me should have attracted something as awesome as you to me. And then you came in, and before you knew it, you had my heart. You stole it. And then you healed me. How many felt that before? The Lord's healed your heart. And you didn't know how or when. Maybe you were hurting for a long time. And you're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be whole. And then one day you woke up, and what happened? <sighs> oh, you were healed because he's sneaky like that. And then after he did all that, he keeps loving me relentlessly. He keeps pursuing me. He already won me, and he still pursues me. And I never saw him coming, yet there he was. And I feel that the Lord is doing this in our hearts. I don't think it's just a a Jared thing. I feel like it is a season that our church is going to go through where the Lord cleanses our soul from all the wounds, all the pain, all the emotional things from the past, all all the offensive words, all the curses. That stuff gets trapped in the soul. It just does. And we bury it down. I feel like the Lord's releasing us from that. I feel like he's taking away from it. I feel like he's stealing our heart again. I feel like he's reminding us that he steals our heart. And so today I want to I just continue on what we've been talking a lot about lately is discipleship. And I want to take it from this perspective. Discipleship is a heart thing. It's not anything else. It's all about the heart. It literally is about the in, inside. See, our outside world will always manifest the world that is internal first. If I'm in controversy, if I'm angry, if I'm frustrated all the time internally, then before I know it, my outside world will always mirror what's going on in here. I will either be a violent person outwardly or I will attract violence around me because the the inner world, it attracts the outer world. And so he's very interested in our heart. He's very interested in the inner part of us. He didn't call us to become robots in his army. He called us to come become lovers, to be discipled by him, to, to let him imprint his, his personality upon us so that we, that our personality can be expressed through him, right? Does that make sense? So let's go to Proverbs 4, and I want to read that. Start with verse 20. Proverbs 4, verse 20. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and health to all their body. 
Wow, that's the, that's the wisdom of God, is hiding His Word inside of us. Verse 23, Watch over your heart with all diligence, because from it flows all the issues of life. Would you all read that? Whatever translation you have is fine. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it springs all of life's issues. That's the truth right there. And then he goes on and he says, put away deceit from your mouth and devious speech. Put it far from you. And then it says, let your eyes look directly ahead of you and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but turn your feet from evil. And everyone say amen to that. And that's the word, our heart. All the issues of life spring from the heart. There's a man named Bob Goff. He's a, a man of God. And he, he said this one time, and I remember it, and then I saw someone else quote it recently. And it says, every time I tell God my opinions, he asks me about my heart. And that hit me. I was like, oh, that's it. See, discipleship is not about our opinions. It's not about getting the questions right on the test. He wants to know about our heart. See, he had disciples that followed him that were beginning to act like him and look like him. Yet when people were offending Jesus or saying things negatively about Jesus, they wanted to call fire down from heaven and kill him. Like their heart wasn't quite right there because they attached an old way of doing things to what Jesus was doing now. And what did Jesus say to them? You don't even know what spirit you're of right now. In other words, your heart needs to be circumcised again. See, discipleship is about the circumcision of our heart. It's about our heart being cut away. All the, the deadness, all the, the skepticism, all the judgment, all the, the pride and arrogance, all the stuff that we know is evil. He comes in with his word and he slices it and he circumcises our heart so that our heart is all flesh and that it's not hardened. See, we've, we've said this many times, we've talked about it a lot, but Israel's biggest sin was not worshiping the golden calf, was not worshiping other idols. It was that their hearts became hardened against God. They forgot who he was. And when we forget who God is and we harden our heart, we're open for anything. Anything is possible if we turn our heart from the Lord. If I harden my heart towards God, I'm capable, and I hate that, I'm capable of being the worst person on the planet. If you harden your heart, you're also capable of being the ugliest, worst person on the planet. Because the hardness of our heart rejects the, the compassion of God. The Bible says that he resists the proud. When I'm arrogant and when I'm pride, I harden my heart. And the Lord says, I want your heart to be soft. So above everything else you do in life, above your exercise routines, above your diet, above your, your marriage and your sex life, amen, above the pleasures of the world, above the things that are good for us, that are for us, above all those things that are important, above them all, what should you do? Guard your heart. How is my heart right now? How is my heart? How, how am I experiencing things in my heart right now? You know, outwardly I can put on a show. Outwardly I can even say the right answers. I can, someone can ask me questions. I can give them all the right answers so that they have no clue that my heart is sick. 
But a discerning person can say, hey, I feel like your heart's sick. A wise person doesn't even let it get that far. They say, I'm going to mind my own heart. I'm going to guard my heart right now. Because what happens in my heart affects everything in my life. Literally. Are you guys still okay? And, and it's, it's kind of a, an abstract thing. How do I guard my heart? I know how to guard my heart. I can't tell you how to guard yours. Because I don't know what your blind spots and stuff are. I don't know what, what your history is. I don't know what you typically stumble and fall into, right? I know what I fall into. I know when I'm in trouble. And my wife knows. She can tell if I'm acting a certain way or then something's not right in my heart. People closest to us can, can really help. But no one knows us better than us. And we need to go before God and say, God, I need you now. I need you to search me, search my heart, see if there's anything in there that's wrong. Is my heart sick right now? How many of you have ever had a sick heart before? For Like, man, you were just heart sick. Maybe you were disappointed. Maybe someone hurt you. Maybe someone did something wrong to you. And it, how many knows how that feels, that, that sick heart? It doesn't get sick and really bad overnight, does it? It's usually a slow poison that we put in there. Slow, slow, slow. And then before we know it, we're so sick in our heart and nothing can make us feel better. Food doesn't taste good anymore. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Oh, I don't, our favorite activity isn't fun anymore. We just don't, I don't have, I don't care. Why? Because my heart is sick. And my heart's sick, it affects every area of my life. And so Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, He's passing on his wisdom to his sons. Come on, this guy knew a little bit. Not only from, from wisdom that God imparted to him, but through experience. He experienced some tough things. And when he wants to pass his wisdom on to his sons, what does he tell them? Hey, please listen to me. Listen to my words. Incline your ear to what I say. If you will just listen to God and obey him, then you will have strength for your body. And then he says, now listen to me. Please listen. Above all things in life, Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Why? Because all of this is about the heart. Christianity, everything we do in church and what we call our religion of Christianity, it's not about any of the stuff we see. It's not. I love all the expressions of Christianity. I love communion. I love singing songs together. I love doing outreach. I love prophecy. I love all of it. It's all wonderful, and I want all of it more and more. But it's not about all of that stuff. It's about the heart. He wants my heart. He wants your heart. He wants to know you. He wants to intimately have access to you. And here's the awesome part. He can be trusted with that access. He's never going to take advantage. He's never going to expose me in a way that, that hurts me. He's never going to do harm. How many know that to be true? He can be trusted with complete access to our heart. And so when he says, come follow me, come be my disciple, he's not saying, hey, come and just follow a checklist. Just, just don't worry about your heart. Don't worry about the inside. Just do outwardly all these things and you'll be okay. Not once will you find that principle anywhere in the Bible of the outward mattering. Even when they're anointing David as king, what did God tell the prophet Samuel? Don't consider his outward appearance. Because if you do, you're not going to pick this guy. He's not the, one, not the one you would go to. He's the least. It's like man looks at the outward appearance. But what does God look at? The heart. He looks at the heart. Why? Because it's the most intimate place of a man or a woman. The heart. 
I don't want Mandy to love me with all of her body. I don't want to love Mandy with all of my body or my mind. I want to love her with all my heart. Because every part of me comes with my heart. And the Lord doesn't want us to just love him with parts of us. He wants us to love us with the center, the core of our being. That's our heart. And if we will do that, then it will flow into every area of our life. And all of a sudden, my work becomes love to God, becomes worship to God. All of a sudden, things that I don't even enjoy becomes honoring to God because I'm doing it as unto him. Why? Because my heart belongs to him. And I'm doing this because I'm in covenant with him. Are you, st- you still good? In Deuteronomy 30, verses 5 and 6, I want to read this. Deuteronomy 30, verses 5 and 6. He says, The Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you will possess it. And he will prosper you and multiply you even more than your fathers. I mean, what that? Amen to that. That's from glory to glory. It's even in the Old Testament, right? He says, Moreover, the Lord your God, listen, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. Mm. What will that cause? So that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul so that you may live. It's the circumcision of the heart. See, when we, when we talk about our, our Christian expression before God, my acts of worship... You know, a lot of times we think about what we do and what we don't do. Well, well, I do worship. I do read the word. I don't hate my neighbor. I don't, you know, become jealous. And we think of these things, right? And what the Lord really wants is he doesn't want to just cut off all this stuff from our exterior. He wants to circumcise our heart so that from the inside out, his life can grow from us inside outwardly. That's why when we talk about trying to fix behavioral things, the Lord will take care of that because he's sneaky and he knows how to do it best. He'll sneak up and cut that stuff before you even know it, right? He's just good at that. But how does he do it? He starts inside. I know that every change, every breakthrough that's ever happened in my life, ever, in my history, ever, started somewhere in my heart. It started with a conversation in my heart with God. It started with a hunger being stirred up in here. And that hunger in here spread like wildfire through the rest of my being to where I said, I've got to be different. Why? Because I love him here. Does that make sense? Let's go to uh, Romans 2, verse 25 through 29. Romans 2, 25 through 29. Romans 2, verse 25. For indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. (laughs) It's good to know, right? But, But if you are a transgressor of the law, then your circumcision has become uncircumcision. It's meaningless. It's not just about the circumcision. It's about obedience. And if you don't do the obedience thing, then why did you even do that? It says, so if the uncircumcised man... See, this is all springing up, and, and we talked a little bit about it um, in our Bible study this morning. We we're in Acts 11. 
how in Acts chapter 10, just a real quick summary for anyone that, that, that wasn't here. Peter, um, who is a Jew, has a dream. And in his dream, he sees a sheet come down. This happens three different times. And on the sheet is all kinds of animals, unclean animals that Jewish people aren't supposed to eat, like uh, animals from the sea and crawly things and creeping things and all kinds of stuff's on it. And every time this sheet would come down with all this food on it, all these different kinds of animals on it, God would say to him, arise and eat it. And in his dream, he's defending himself. No, I've never eaten anything common or unholy. I'm not doing it now. Three times in his dream, he goes through that. He awakens from the dream, long story short, and he's supposed to go to a man's house who's already had an encounter with God. The man, his name is Cornelius. He's Italian. He fears the Lord. He loves the Lord. His whole household fears the Lord. But it doesn't tell us that they are Jewish in background or follow customs, so they obviously don't, right? And the Lord tells Peter, you're supposed to go to his house. And so Peter does. Peter goes to his house, and he's, he's accepted there, and he begins to to talk to them and they ask him hey preach to us the gospel so peter does and he begins to make he already made the connection between don't call unclean what i call clean he has a dream and here he is in front of a gentile who's unclean according to jewish law is unclean and here he is sharing the gospel of jesus christ to a man who fears the lord but doesn't know the laws of god and he's sharing it with his entire household and guess what happens to him The whole household gets baptized in the Holy Spirit before they were even baptized in water. Whoa, wait a second. All this stuff's out of order here. And Peter, as a Jewish man, had a confrontation in his dream life where God addressed him about what he's experiencing in the future in his dream. He said, don't call unclean what I have called clean. Don't call unholy what I have called holy. And so here he is having this encounter with these Italian people, this household of Gentiles who have just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Peter's like, well, they received the Holy Spirit. They're all speaking in tongues and everything else that happened to us on Pentecost, they're doing. We know that they are spirit-filled. So uh, does anyone here have an objection to us baptizing them in water? And they're like, no. So he baptizes the whole household in water. Well, in chapter 11, he comes before the council. And the council is really upset with him. And they look at him and they're like, "Uh, we hear you're hanging out with some Gentiles, some uncircumcised people. And that's a no-no. We're of the circumcision. They're not. Which means we have access to things that God has that they can't have access to. And he's like, well, they... They received the Holy Spirit. He's like, yeah, we're concerned, basically. I'm giving you my, my version. We're worried that you think they received the Holy Spirit because they are not of the circumcision. They are not uh, God's people. And he convinces them. He tells them the whole story of what happened. When it's over at the end of, chapter, uh, at the end of this portion of 11, verse 14 or 16, it says the council quieted down, and then they praised God and says, well, now the Gentiles get the Holy Spirit too. They, they have the same thing that everyone else has. And they, they, they felt resolved in this. But there was an argument over circumcision or uncircumcision. And so that's where we get to in Romans chapter 2. This, this is what it's all talking about. <clears throat> it says, if the uncircumcised man keeps the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you, though having the letter of the law and circumcision? You're a transgressor of the law. They're breaking it down here, right? 
This is some good stuff. All right, we're going to finish here, here, all right? For he is not a Jew who is outwardly a Jew, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the law or by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. Why am I talking about this? Because God covets, he longs for, he desires above all things to have access to our heart, that we belong to him in heart, that he can circumcise our heart and he can purify our heart and make it flesh, that it can produce what he wants it to produce inside of us. He's not interested in the external circumcision without an internal one. He opens up here and he says, circumcision is valuable as long as you obey the Lord. So if you are circumcised, it's okay. You didn't, men, it's all right. You got circumcised. You went through a lot of pain. It wasn't for it, nothing. Just continue to obey the law, and it still has value, right? But people that aren't circumcised, that, of the, uh, aren't, that are of the Gentiles, that don't have the law of Moses the way we do, they don't have to be circumcised to still be in this kingdom. And that's what's causing all the controversy that, you, that we talked about in, in our pre-service uh, Bible study. But the Lord wants to circumcise our heart. Everyone get that? Does it make sense? Let's, let's close it out like this. <clears throat> In John 8, and, and for time I'm not going to read all of this. John 8, verse 31 through 59. And this is when Jesus is telling him, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they look at him like he's crazy. What do you mean? will be free. We've never been slaves to anyone. We're Abraham's sons and daughters. He's like, yeah, I know you are, but you're ready to, to stone me, the one that the prophet spoke of, because my word has created no room inside of you. And I, I, I like that verse. I talk about it a lot. It's one of the verses I go back to often. The, the word hasn't created room inside of us. What does that mean? It hasn't circumcised the heart. It hasn't, hasn't peeled back the layers of our heart and dealt with the issues of the heart. See, we, we can't deal with, I can't deal with an anger issue out here. I can't deal with the frustration. I can't deal with, with a problem with lust. I can't deal with a problem with jealousy. I can't deal with uh, a problem with stealing stuff out here and just say, well, I'm just going to stop stealing. It doesn't work like that. The, the problem with stealing wasn't that I actually stole something. That was, that was how I acted out on my inside desires. People that usually steal, it's not just because they want this thing or whatever they steal. It's, they steal because there's a deeper issue inside of their heart. They covet. They're jealous of other people's stuff. Well, that's a bigger issue than just taking my water or stealing my pen. Fine. I, I always said this before when, we were, when I was a youth pastor. We got robbed all the time. It was ridiculous. They would steal the copper from our ACs and all this stuff. And I was so tired of it. I was like, you're going to get like 40 bucks, literally, from all that work and all that dangerous stuff you're doing out there, cutting wires when the ACs are probably going. You probably got popped if you didn't have, you know, the right stuff. And I'm like, I would have just given you the 40 bucks. Please. I, would, I, I put a sign on there one time. Look, please don't steal our stuff. Come inside. I would just give you money. Something like that. I wrote, wrote it out there. I'm like, I'm just tired of you. St Please, just come. I'll give you $40. I, I really will. I'll take it out of my own pocket. Just stop stealing our stuff, right? The problem wasn't that they were stealing the stuff. 
There's a bigger problem inside. There's a bigger problem. So when I say, when I see an outward sign of sin or bad behavior or disruptive uh, behavior outside, the problem isn't that behavior. That is how I'm manifesting it. There's a bigger problem. Hello? (laughs) The problem is in my heart. And if I don't go in to a secret place with God and say, okay, God, I've got this problem out here of jealousy. Let's just say I'm jealous of other people. I'm jealous when people get raises at work and I don't get one. Or I'm jealous when I see uh, preachers on TV driving big cars. Or I'm just being talking to me. I'm jealous because that person has a jet airplane or whatever it is. I'm just jealous. Jealous all the time. Well, the problem isn't just jealousy. Yeah, I need to say, God, forgive me for being jealous. I repent for being jealous. But I know that's not the full problem here. That's, the, that's what's grown through the surface. What's the real problem? And that's when we really get healed up. Because probably jealousy is rooted in, I'm not worthy of getting this the right way, so I have to want other people's stuff. Well, that sounds like a bigger issue than just being jealous of other people. That means I believe I don't deserve it, so I have to hate when other people get it. Well, that's something that Jesus can heal. And guess what happens? He comes inside, and you know what he does to us? He says, you're so worthy. I love you more than anything. You deserve good things. And he heals us up. And then all of a sudden, we're not jealous anymore. Because he took care of it in the heart. If I want to be frustrated with my kids or yell at my family or, or yell at people on the road all the time. Again, I'm using simple, easy things. If That's not the biggest problem there. There's a root issue that's wrong. And you know what it probably is? I'm more important than everyone else. And when other people infringe on my time or my space, I have to let them know that I'm angry that I'm not getting my way right now. Well, that sounds like a bigger problem than flipping someone off on the road. (laughs) Right? Oh, God, I'm sorry for flipping that person off. He's probably like, hey, that's not your problem, bro. (laughs) That's just the outward outward manifestation of something going on. You want to talk about that with me? Has the Lord ever asked you that before? Hey, Jared, you just did something really stupid, and everyone saw it. It was outward. Do you think we need to talk about something else that's going on inside? That's what the Lord wants from us. That's discipleship. Cleaning ourselves on the outside and wash. He, he told them, outside, you look like whitewashed fences. You look beautiful. You look like these beautiful fences that are arrayed around castles and, and rich people's houses. But, man, when we look inside of you, you're full of dead men's bones. Whoa, like you do a really good job out here of making it look pretty, but underneath it's rotten and it's pathetic. And here's the thing. Jesus can fix all those things in our heart that hurt. He can fix all those issues inside of us that cause us to do stupid things outwardly. That's why we don't, when when I, when I preach and you know this about me, you've been around for a long time. My goal is to not tell you how to act. My goal is this right here. Let the Lord circumcise our hearts. Let's, let's go into the secret place and let him deal internally with what's going on. Because all that outward stuff, that's just fluff. Like, that's just the stuff that you, the, the Lord looks at. Isn't he cute when he acts stupid like this? Come on. He thinks he's really big and bad. That's not the problem. The problem is something deeper. You guys still with me? <clears throat> so discipleship is about the heart. It's not about... There's a, uh, next week I'm going to pick this up, all right? <clears throat> Lord willing. Because 
we're gonna we want you to be disciples, but we also want you to make disciples. Hello? Disciples who are making disciples. And I, I came up with a um there's a, a graphic and you've probably seen it and maybe it's even Kyle, can you pull is it up on there? On the PowerPoint? Um it's just the the discipleship, the four stages. And the first stage is the call where he calls us. Then there's a second stage that's imitation. It's where we just copy everything he says, everything he does. We just copy him. We don't even really know why, but we know that he's doing it and it's good, so we just need to do it, right? And so we copy him. It's the imitation phase. And then there's what's called replication. Now it's where he's put those things inside of us, and now they're not just happening with him, but it's coming from us as as well. We're doing the things he did because we're that way now like we've been transformed internally and like all of a sudden now i'm i'm doing those things because i'm 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 a copy of him i'm just like him i'm a replica and then fourth is multiplication and so what i want to do is i want to take us as a church where we do these things continually all the time where we answer the call we imitate we replicate and we find a way to multiply that and we'll get into that next week but I, I didn't want to do that without starting here and saying, look, discipleship is not, um, it's not an external chisel. It's an internal chisel. It deals with the heart. And so I just want to invite you right now. We're going to close the service out. <clears throat> but I want to invite you to give him access to your heart, to let him have conversations, to let him say, hey, you know, lately you've, you've been really negative. Oh, I didn't even notice that, Lord. Yeah, just ask your wife. <laughs> just ask your friend. You've been really negative. You, do you want to talk about that? What's going on? And then he'll come inside and he'll circumcise the heart. He'll heal it up. He'll restore us. And then all of a sudden, the, the negative things that people see and experience outwardly will be taken care of by an internal secret place, as a secret operation, right? So, Father, we, we come to you right now. And I just want to first again say thank you that you first loved us. Thank you that you sought us out, that you pursued us, that you told us, hey, come follow me. We didn't even know where you were or who you were. You came after us, and I thank you for that. And God, today I ask that you would help us as the bridge, help every one of us, God, to become disciples who, act, who give you full access to our hearts, where we rip our chest open and we say, God, here's my heart. I trust you with it. I trust you with all access. You can talk about anything going on in there. Nothing's off limits, God. Huh. <laughs> See, here's the deal. When we give him access to our heart, we'll be able to stand up and we'll begin to say, we'll be able to say with truth and conviction that I am the man that I always said I wanted to be. I am the woman that I always said I wanted to be. That's what happens when we give him access to our heart. I remember uh, it was a few months ago, I, I, I was praying those prayers. Lord, I give you access to my heart. Nothing's off limits. And here, I, I just it just hit me. Here I am a few months later. And there are things that I, I, I gave him access to, and he snuck in. And he's been healing and dealing with it. I didn't know because I gave him permission. So I want us to do that. I want you to pray a prayer right now and give God permission to have access to your heart. Give him the code.
to the deepest place. Look, he's not, listen to me, let me say this first. He is not afraid of sin. He's not afraid of your behavior. He took it all up on himself at the cross. He's felt all the guilt and the shame from that. He's not afraid of it. You're not going to shock him. But he has the cure for it. And it comes in this place. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we ask you to come into our hearts. We give you the codes. We give you access to every part of our heart. God, I ask that everyone here, everyone that listens to the podcast, would say yes to this and give you access. Nothing's off limits, God. And I know what it means when I say that. I understand more what that means, God, when I say nothing's off limits. Because then you set the agenda and you know all things and you know what's best. And so, God, I ask you for the Bridge Church to have conversations with us on everything that you want to. Nothing's off limits. You said, come, let us reason together. Your sins are scarlet. I'll make them white as snow. So, God, it starts through this reasoning and this conversation. And I ask that you would start that with every one of us, God. God, we will not withhold anything from you. Would you tell the Lord that if you mean that? God, I will not withhold anything from you. yeah that's good Lord it's good that you do this <sighs> thank you Lord above all else guard your heart man <clears throat> best way for us to do the communion is to stay in that attitude right now of we're giving him full access to us that's what communion is i and you you and me that's communion that's what it's all about so um i'm going to pray over the communion here um, but then we'll serve ourselves and i want us to do it today in the attitude of giving him access giving him full access so father we thank you for sending jesus to give his body on the cross I thank you that he was beaten. I thank you that he was bruised. I thank you that he didn't say anything when he could have. I love what you did, God, at the cross. It's beautiful. I love it. And Jesus, I thank you that you were willing. I thank you that you thought I was deserving to have your body beaten and bruised, crucified for me. So thank you for that. And Jesus, I thank you for your blood that washes us white as snow, that cleanses our sin, but also makes us royalty, brings us into the family. And God, we ask today that as we take communion as families, that it would be a holy time. I ask that there would be a holy time here, God, where we go beyond the veil and we see you and you see us, where everything's exposed, God, nothing's hidden. And that we join into real communion with you without fear. Mm. God, I ask that as we take communion today, that you bring healing to our spirits, our souls, and our bodies. And that we become more beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>